from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. We'd like to welcome back the man on the mic, Coach Anthony Troshak, Charlevoix men's basketball. And we're talking starting and some of the actions, the triggers for the dribble drive offense. If you haven't heard, and I know you've heard if you've been a listener for even the past few months, the dribble drive offense course. I was just talking to a coach yesterday, Coach, about your course. He's in the coach's edge and he's they run dribble drive and he's looking forward to digging into it. So, um, But you have a video in there on starting action. Some coaches will call them triggers or trigger actions. Probably my favorite video that you've uploaded yet. And there's a lot to choose from. So I think you have seven different videos, hours of content. There's PDFs, videos, game film, PowerPoint. Like, I mean, you name it, you've put a ton of work into this thing, but that was one that really stood out to me because it, it's dribble drive. Coaches could also piece that into other things that, that they're doing. So, you know, when, when you're thinking of, Putting that video together, you know, what are some things that you're going through and thinking about uh, as you made that? And and then how can we start to apply those to our own teams? You know, when I was creating it, um, you know, I took a lot from from other coaches and through trial and error, just kind of making it my own. What what worked for us, what for our personnel. And even if you're not a dribble drive coach, like if you just want to create a triple gap, um, early in a possession, one of these actions could help you. If mm-hmm. you want, if you have a good, you know, shooter that might draw out of attention, you could run. It's like if you're, if you're familiar with Princeton coach, but their point action. Um, so there's different ways um, to create space and then attack that space early in a possession. And again, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be strictly dribble drive. You could run a little motion and then flow into your motion. You could use it as a set play um, if you wanted. Um, but just different ways to um, get different players the ball too, which I like is you can really look at your matchups and say, you know, we got this lefty that we think can take their defender off the dribble, maybe draw two defenders and we, then we got to kick out or we got to dump off or we got this player that has an advantage. Let's get them the ball. So different ways to um, really start the offense in, you know, if you've studied dribble drive or just in general, you hear coaches talk about, small advantages and trying to use those small advantage to create a big advantage. Mm-hmm. So for example, coach, like a small advantage shot would be, you know, like one where you're close enough to almost reach out and touch, or I just have like a little advantage on you to get by you. How do we create like a wide open look or a layup? Those are big advantage shots that is, you know, used through, you know, attacking space. I'm mm-hmm. um, sorry. I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of went on a tangent, but Hey, that's, that's what the dribble drive does to us. It's a good, it's a good start for the podcast with uh, the dribble drive offense and most offenses in general, you want to have an aggressive mindset, an attacking mentality. And in this case, man, we're hunting the paint. And so what you put together is a bunch of different ways that we can loosen up the defense and I remember listening to a Kobe Bryant interview or um, something that he was doing, and he was talking about consecutive actions, right? And he was like, you know, basic teams will run a single action, right? But but the high-level teams and the high-level players, they have consecutive actions. That makes them harder to stop. And the the better team you are offensively, right, you're able to not run that one action, because it's not always going to work against the higher level teams. Do you have multiple things that you can have consecutively laying down these dominoes to really break down uh, a high level defense? And with what you just shared, that's why I like that video was because some of those actions could happen very organically or they could be a call, right? You want to get a specific player a touch, an opportunity to get in the paint, get an opportunity uh, to knock down a shot. And so you can put them in some of those situations. So I'm going to call you, you know, the painter or the artist for the rest of, of this interview. Paint a picture in our listeners' minds of what some of these actions might look like that you were talking about in this video. Uh, I'm glad you 
said paint that picture because I want you to stop me if at any point you think that the listener might be a little confused because it's tough when we're, you know, verbalizing this um, on the podcast to try to explain this. It's much easier if you watch the videos, like you said, um, but I'll do my best. Um, so to kind of paint the uh, initial picture, uh, we run a lot of four out, one in dribble drive. And uh, the spots we like to fill are the, the corners, which are like a step above the block. So the right corner, left corner, step above the block. Other spots that we fill are the slots. So that's like free throw line, kind of extended lane line extended, I should say. And then our big, um, which is inside, and we call them our foreman. Um, and they're always opposite the ball. So actually our one and five would be in the slots. Our two would be on the, in the right wing and our three would be in the left just to kind of paint that picture. So everyone understands, um, you know, imagining a floor. So one way to start it um, is probably the most uh, simple and easy way uh, in creating a triple gap is we go slot to slot and you could call that toss action. Um, one coach I learned from called that, I think Rose, um, whatever you want to call it after Derek Rose, but Toss action is simple as I have the ball in the right slot. Coach Kramer's in the left slot. I throw it over to you. I cut kind of like a 45 degree angle to the left corner. If you're imagining that. Um, and then that pushes the player in the left corner up to the wing. And now you have a triple gap because you're in the left slot. There's no one in the right slot. There's no one in the right on the right wing. The next player um, on the perimeter on your team would be in the right corner. So you attack that space and your reads are basically get to the rim um, and then pass to where help came from. And usually where help comes from would be the corner for a kick out or uh, inside. In, the, in that case, you dump off to the big, which is the format. Now, there's a lot more to it, but, you know, with uh, limited time and also limited, like just explaining it um, that I think that, you know, covers like the toss action. And then the things you could do out of it, again, are get to the rack, kick it to the corner, dump off. You could play with the fill behind you. Um, so you stride stop, jump stop, and you hit to the player that's filling in behind you. When the ball goes to the corner, hypothetically, let's say we throw it to the corner, well, that player's got a shot, or otherwise they're trying to attack that middle of the floor and get a piece of the paint. And sometimes they kind of even get pushed out, not to the middle, almost to like the free throw line area on their drive. And again, they're stride stop and jump stop, and they're looking to like spray or kick out the backside. And then a lot of times it's that kick out one more pass, and you got a good look if you can imagine that. Um, so that would be our toss action again, just to review it. It's slot to slot, cut. I'm driving, or you're driving off of my cut um, in that triple gap and attacking that space. So any questions uh, regarding the toss or anything that maybe the listeners might be confused on or I could clarify? A beautiful picture was just painted <laughs> in my mind. No, no questions asked on the, on the talk toss action. Excellent. Okay. So um, that makes, makes total sense. So that's some base uh, dribble drive action, starting with that pass and cutting motion. Um, what are some other good actions to really try to get the defense in a tough spot? So one is a flip where we basically, that's what we call it because we flip the, the spots. So again, one and five are in the slots, two and three are in the corners, your four is inside. So flip, let's say the one has the ball, bringing the ball up the corner. They can throw it down to the two coming from the right corner as they're coming up. So, or you could dribble handoff. Um, danger with the dribble handoff is if you do it too low and you're close to the sideline and teams know it's coming, they can double that. They can jump it. Now you could use it to your advantage and slip, but if you just want to avoid that, you kind of just throw it down. And then the player, which is the two in the right corner, starts dribbling up. And then on the backside, they exchange. So now you take that player from the left corner. Now they are in the left slot. And then you go toss again. So it's like a flip into a toss. So we've exchanged. And let's say, you know, we got some two players in the corners. Now it's their turn to attack. And let, this is where I like, hey, we got, you know, Tim, he can take his player off the dribble. But he's in the left corner. Well, all right, let's run, flip, toss. Now, instead of the left corner, he's in the left slot. We have created a triple gap for him, and he can attack that space, and, uh, and he has the matchup that we want to attack. Um, another thing you can do out of a flip is not even tossing it. So let's say I'm the one, and Coach Kramer's the two in the right corner. I'm the one in the left slot, in the right slot. I, toss, or I dribble it down, pass it down to you. You come up, and you kind of just pass it right back to me. 
And now I've caught it on the right wing and I could go baseline. I could go middle. Um, and so that's a way to get me um, into like a spot where I can either catch or shoot or I can t attack off of a closeout um, to attack some space. So it's just a different look with a uh, flip and flip toss. And hopefully, you know, I painted a, a picture with that, but ultimately the principles end up kind of layering on top of each other and repeating mm -hmm. themselves in terms of, all right, you need to attack space. Um, you need to pass where help came from. Uh, we look for penetrate and then a kick out and then another kick, penetrate, pass, pass. Um, you know, those principles are what we're playing by. If you can't beat them off the dribble, we can bounce out dribble and then reattack. Um, so those are the things that, you know, come over and over again. You just keep kind of like being aggressive, let's attack the paint. We need to attack the paint, get into the paint. I um, mean, that's one thing I felt like this previous year I could have done a better job of is just like really harping on like, even in practice, hey, we got to get three paint touches um, before we take a shot or a layout, you know, we, before we get either three paint touches or a layout before we take an outside shot, just to really emphasize, you know, how much we want to attack the paint. Um, so that's uh, another action that I think um, coaches might enjoy is uh, the, the flip where you just flip the script, uh, the guys switch spots on the floor. And uh, the last example you gave where I would give it back to you, you're we're on the same side. You're coming down. I'm coming up, right? If I'm in the right corner and I'm coming up, you get it to me. I take a, a dribble or two uh, along the arc and then I, boom, I'm hitting you again, right? And Correct. then you got that side of the court to work with to go right or left. Yep, and you're throwing it right back to me, and then you would cut to kind of the left corner to clear out space. So really, I have like I have some spot space to my right, some space to my left mm -hmm. to attack. Um, you know, I could that's an opportunity to get a baseline drive and maybe a drift or a baseline drive, and the big just kind of goes right to the logo right in the middle in front of the rim right there and gets a dump off that way. Mm -hmm. And then players on the perimeter are filling filling around behind you in case you get in trouble um, trying to kick it back yeah. out. So. Uh, awesome stuff. Toss, flip, uh, a beautiful portrait is being painted right now for, for dribble drive and actions. What, what's another one you have for us? Uh, another action to get the offense started is a slice. And I think this is um, beneficial if you have a dynamic like point guard that can maybe attack space early. And what that does is, let's say, I'm going to put you in the dynamic point guard spot, coach. Um, you're the one. I'm the five. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I played the point. I was I was hoping to, you know, pull a three most of the time. But, you know, I I, I had a lot of assists in high school. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of this. So you have an opportunity to pull, to get to the rack, to, you know, drop dimes. But you're the one. I'm the five. And instead of you passing it over to me and you cutting through, you just wave me and slice through. So now I've cut through. I'm on the left slot. I've cut through to the right corner. Again, you have the ball. You're in that situation. We have a triple gap. The next player on the perimeter to your left is all the way in the left corner, and you got guys filling in behind you. So you're looking to attack that space. Maybe you just get by your defender, get to the rack, or pass to where help came from. So that's just a simple one slice. Another um, way to use it is if you have a player that is really, like, face guarded or a team that, like, is going to deny that slot to slot pass, so instead of us throwing it slot to slot and being like maybe getting picked off or they're denying it hard or Coach Kramer's being completely denied because, you know, he has 20 points in this half. So they're out base guarding him. You cut through and I dribble right off of you. And a lot of times there might be like an incidental collision between the two defenders where, you know, then it gets me some space. But I know that they're not going to help off of you. And now I get to attack that triple gap um, by, you know, slicing through and just kind of creating a little bit of a cluster there um, that you can attack or that I would attack if that makes mm -hmm. sense on that one. Mm -hmm. No, that's a, that's a good one. And I would appreciate that. You know, the scouting report on me, putting me on the right side. So I come back left because I could finish going left and I could pull up going left. Whereas if I went right, I was usually going to get all the way to the rim or tr probably change, change direction. So good job by, by you on that one. Any other ones you want to share with us tonight? Yeah, um, another one that um, I think is is beneficial if teams are switching. So let's go back to our toss and our flip and even the slice action. It has like the scissors cut where I cut and then I'm driving off your butt. So if teams switch that and they're like, well, we're just going to, the guy that's cutting, we're going to jump off of him or her 
and they're going to take the ball that's being uh, driven and we're going to kind of level out that drive. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you notice that you can do what's called fan. And if you imagine the blades of a fan, all right, so imagine how they rotate. So I'm in the slot. I'm bringing the ball up. I'm the one coach Kramer's the five in the opposite. Do they slot. spin differently depending on Northern hemisphere, Southern hemisphere, or. I think that's the Coriolis effect. Isn't that toilets? I don't okay, know. Okay. Gotcha. I was just, I'm gonna look I was just curious. Up. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway. I'm the one, you're the five, and let's say I pass it over to you and I do my normal toss, you know, and they jump off on you. Now, now, you know, now we're kind of jammed up, but instead of doing that, I pass over to you. Instead of cutting through to the opposite corner, I go down to the same side corner. Does that make sense? So now the guy that's in that corner, the girl that's in that corner is rotating all the way through the baseline to the opposite corner. That corner player is lifting up. Uh, the player that is was uh, in the slot is you. You have the ball. So, again, we've created a triple gap for you. But they can't switch because I didn't cut across with you. We never crossed. So instead of crossing, I passed over to you and I went to the corner. And it's also a good opportunity if I'm a good shooter on your tra- attacking that triple gap to get into space. So that would be fan. And hopefully that makes sense. Like we all just rotated around mm-hmm. in a fan motion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one if, if teams are switching. Absolutely. Also, great one to keep the keep the defense away. Sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. Yeah. Also on the topic of, of switching is um, you can snap it back. We, we call it snap. Um, so if I have the ball or sorry, yeah, I have the ball, I pass it over to you and I cut through like our normal toss action. You're dribbling and they switch. If you snap it back to the player behind you that's feeling behind you, then they have an opportunity to drive or they can snap it back to me and my man just left me because they jumped on you, Coach Kramer. So now the player that's guarding you has to go find me. And a lot of times that might be in a closeout situation where I catch it kind of in the corner a wing area and I can attack middle or I can attack baseline because we have just snapped the ball back against the grain uh, of that switch. So that's another thing that you can do if teams like to switch that uh, slot slot pass. So if I had a player that I wanted to get, um, let's just, let's just repaint this, this picture again. If I had a player that I really wanted to get one of those, um, kickouts coming back, you know, where would I put them and what would those actions look like again? If you want to, sorry, repeat that. If you had a player that wanted to get what? As the defense is starting to rotate and you kick the ball back out, this might be one of our shooters. So where would they where would they okay. start and what would the rotation look like? That would be like your your point guard or the one. If they pass it over to the five, they cut through to the corner. Their defender jumps off of them because the defense is switching. So then the five realizes that they're probably going to take a dribble or two, snap it back to the three. The three snaps it back to the one. The one's catching it like in the corner, maybe a little a little lifted from the corner, and they're going to have like a closeout because your man now has to find me because our, our guy switched. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're quick, quick snapping it back um, and finding that guy and finding that matchup. Is that, is that a harder one for most high school players? Just because let's say they're, you know, I might still be driving to my left and I'm snapping it back to my right. It could be. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a good point. And I, mean, I love often, that pass, but I, you know, I'm just asking. Yeah. And oftentimes, sometimes we would run it and, the point guard passed it over to the five and they'd switch and they would snap it back to him. Like he'd realize it. And we almost did it too early. If that makes sense. So like the one passes to the five, the one's cutting through to the corner, the five realizes the switch and the one almost pops out and cuts off that guy. And we had to like, be like, no, you got to go all the way to the corner because it's a longer recovery for the defense. Hmm. So that's one thing that I might run into that we ran into. So if, you know, for coaches listening, you want to work on different passes to to help your your team. I mean, if if you took these four passes and you you worked on them consistently, they're going to help your team. All right, uh, your pocket pass, which it could be a ball screen, it could be a, a dump down situation for uh, when you run a dribble drive, and, and the big underneath is moving to the other side, and you get in the crack between those two defenders. You work on your pocket pass. Pass number two would be your hook pass. This could be uh, an example of, of snapping the ball back. This could be if you're on a ball screen offense, 
on the wing and then somebody dives and then the person on that side is lifting up on the corner. I practice my hook pass. Okay. Um, the third one is a, a pivot pass, right? So let's say I, I drive across the middle and I get in trouble and I can't do any type of pass that is forward. All right. That's pocket is forward. Hook is, is maybe more neutral coming across and I can't continue to push that pass going forward. Can I get my base stop on two feet? I use some type of pivot to be able to create an angle and get into my kick out. That's three. And then a fourth really good pass. If you have a player with good hands, maybe has some length or some size, is just working on that touch pass, pass eye, catch eye, keep eye, right? So somebody's big, you have a side advantage, uh, size advantage, being able to drive somewhere, toss the basketball up kind of towards the, the bottom generally of where the backboard is. So somebody can just jump up, catch it. Maybe they put it in. Maybe they're a dunker. They're dunking it. Or at the very least, they're they're catching it, bringing it back down, chin, shoulder, and then go back up and score. I promise you, just those four passes can help you. And if you when you work on the pocket pass, if I'm driving right and I feel like and the ball is more on my right hip, that's a right-hand pocket pass, right? If I'm driving right, but that basketball gets a little towards my center or maybe even off-center, depending on how that defender's trying to recover – Still pocket pass, but it's more of a push with my left hand. So it's still going through the same spot, but you might determine which hand you're making that pocket pass with, depending on where the basketball and the defender is. Now, I, I prefer passing across the body because you can get your hand and your elbow behind the ball and you can really snap it really, really strong. So that'd be like right hand dribble, pocket pass going to the right, which is the most common pass that, that players would use in that situation. Um, but you do want to be mindful and, and practice a little bit of, you know, either hand passing on that pocket, especially uh, depending on where the basketball is on your pickup. Maybe kid fumbles the ball. Maybe the defense is in a different spot. So pocket pass, hook pass, pivot type passes, and then working on your lob, four easy passes to, you know, take your team to another level. So um, I don't know where I got – go ahead, Coach, whatever you are saying. Sorry about that. That was a total no, tangent I, I just went on. Passing is underrated and undercoached, underappreciated, um, but it can't be, you know, underemphasized, like the importance of passing. Uh, if, like like you're talking about, if these actions, they don't have solid passes, it could mess up timing. You know, you couldn't even complete that pass to start the action. Um, so it's, it's things that definitely you need to work on. And part of it is like your even your footwork and passing is like, mm -hmm. all right, we, co we come to a strike. So how do you pivot? That's one thing that I noticed, like coaching younger kids in our youth program, like teaching them how to like pivot around. Like, mm -hmm. all right, you can't, where are your teammates at? You can't see them. How are you going to see them? Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to pivot. There's a PGC uh, saying that once I say it, it's going to get stuck in it, it's poop. It, mm -hmm. P O O P pivot out of pressure. So like you like, hey, you go take a poop on the floor. The kids mm -hmm. are gonna remember. Yeah, oh, I pivot out of pressure, and that that like reminds me of dribble drive when you dribble into the middle, you know, and maybe you don't draw two. You come do a jump stop or stride stop. You're gonna you're gonna have to pivot. That's what like Villanova's guards were so oh, good yeah. at mm -hmm. in their heyday, getting into the paint, and then they had the sent those second cutters, but they pivoted. They could make those passes. That's what made them so dangerous. Like mm -hmm. not only their ability to score, but their ability to pass the ball mm -hmm. out of getting the ball to the paint was was crucial yeah but better scoring stronger with the basketball limiting your turnovers um and, and being able to keep that that foundation you know we we did we had camp yesterday and we were working on our hook pass with the kids and a lot of them were just like running away from the person they were passing to getting up on one foot because i wanted to see i was like hey we're gonna throw a hook pass and i demonstrated it but i didn't tell them what to do so i want to see what they got right and then obviously it looked like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, except Kareem was going straight up into his hook. You know, these kids were like landing five feet away from where they jump. And then it's like, okay, now, now that you've, you know, done it wrong, I look a lot better saying, hey, let's try it with two feet, right? Getting into a, a one-two stop, stride stop, jump stop, being able to have a base and a foundation, throwing that, throwing that pass. So who knew the coaches were going to get a Dumbo bonus episode on, you know, talking about actions with dribble drive and you, you get a whole passing podcast out of it as well. Double your pleasure uh, today with the Coach's <laughs> Edge podcast. Um, Coach, what else we got? Um, if you're a ball screen type person or you want to incorporate ball screens, we would call it our smash action, call it whatever you want. Um, but again, predicated on 
you could run slice smash or toss smash. So let's start with toss smash. I'm in the right slot. You're in the left slot. I pass it over to you. Now he, instead of having the big under the hoop, we've brought them up to like the, almost the top of the key. And I pass it over to you. The big, I kind of brush off of him. Like I got to do my job of cutting off of him. All right. So I got to run my man into him. And right after I run my man into him, he goes and sets a ball screen. So the hopes are that if I run my man into him, it gives him a little opening away from, you know, his defender to sprint into that ball screen. And now he's setting a ball screen and they can't help out as easily. If does that make sense? Cause there's two screening, like kind of like Kobe was talking about. Mm-hmm. So then you would, the big would go set a ball screen for you in this case. And now we have a triple gap and then coaches can be creative with what they want to do out of that. They could roll the big, they could pop the big, they could have the big set a pin down. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's multiple, that's where, you know, coaches make it your own, um, in terms of that. And then you could also run slice smash. So I'm in this, I have the ball in the right slot. You're in the left slot. You slice through you again, use the big screen um, and run off of him. And then he sprints and sets me a ball screen. And now I have a triple gap going to my left because I'm the one. Um, and then, you know, you play out of it depending on what the team that you're playing how they cover ball screens will might determine what you do, but that's a way to incorporate uh, ball screens into uh, the kind of the dribble drive early on to, again, to create that small advantage and then try to keep um, digging and make it a big advantage. Are there any um, times you, you blah, blah, excuse me, you've used a dribble handoff and found it beneficial or have you found most teams switch it if we're going slot to slot and we might get in trouble if we do it on the same side because of the location or the sideline? We I mean, sometimes there'll be natural dribble handoffs that occur, which isn't the greatest thing in the dribble live it means like it's almost turning into a weave, mm-hmm. but depending on what teams do, if teams switch all those dribble handoffs, then you're kind of just weaving. Yeah. Um, it, but if they don't like those quick pitches, like you're going to end up finding like and catching one of the defenders and being able to play a downhill. But we, you know, I know we've talked um, you know, off the podcast before about um, zoom action and having like the, the down screen into a, a dribble handoff, something that I'd like to incorporate that we didn't do last year. Um, especially if you have like kind of a, a big that maybe the defense doesn't come out and guard a lot, or, you know, they're kind of a good passer out of that situation. I think zoom action. So that's something that we uh, want to incorporate. What do you think though? Uh, do you see any, I guess, room for dribble handoffs um, in, within the dribble drive, or where would you see those? Um, I like – so it, it's getting a little bit out of dribble drive, but the the formatting of dribble drive would complement pistols and zooms, which are, you know, dribble handoff. Um, but also just thinking about there might be times where we need to get the player – a certain player the ball in a certain spot, and I'm just going to make sure that happens by literally just dribbling to them, handing it off and giving it to them. And, and, you know, I think if teams are in man to man, you know, how often can I get the best player of the ball in a dribble handoff from the worst defender on the court? Right. And so, so that's, you know, where I'm, I'm thinking of it a little bit is if you're the best player on the team and I'm the worst player on the team, dribble handoff or like you said that drive at that player and pitching it back those would be times where it would be a little bit more beneficial because now that bad defender they either got to switch they have to help at the very least if they're really bad they're getting in the best defender's way Uh, so uh, not necessarily like an action or a setting but um you know, I just think of when I was playing and I would look at all five guys on the court and say which one is the worst defender out here I'm hunting them, right? Because I knew I, I usually had the best defender on me. I was like, let's figure a way to, you know, pick on somebody, right? And then, and then you just you go to work. So um, just thinking about, you know, how you can do some of those things as well. Yeah, I no, I agree. And I, I think anything, any way you can incorporate it and just create, if you're dribble drive, you want to create space to attack and then the rest of their teammates need to know you know, we've mentioned before, my, does my teammate need help or do they need a, do they need space? Yes. They, yep. mm-hmm. they need space because they're, you're looking to attack that real estate. It's that's mm-hmm. what the dribble drive is. Like try to get by the defender, get in the paint. Um, or do they need help because they're leveled off 
and they are kind of stalled out. Yeah. Stalled out. That was the last thing I was going to mention. If somebody needs help, a dribble handoff is an easy thing to go to. And it's a good way to get kind of the engine running again, as far as some, some players moving and exchanging, uh, especially if a team is up in those passing lanes. Can I dribble at somebody, get into a handoff, get a piece of their defender? Now at least we have two players moving. Hopefully there's some some off-ball action. And, it, and it's just a way to get something going when you you don't have uh, a whole lot of movement. Uh, anything else that you want to share with us, Coach? Yeah. Um, and by the way, like a lot of some of the stuff I took from Doug Novak, who he was at Bethel. And then Bethel, he, yep. now I don't know. He went like, where's he at? I want to say a women's program. And then he would. I don't know, but he's a great coach, phenomenal coach. And if you study some of his stuff, they have a million. Like, I'm just going over, like, five or six actions mm -hmm. to start it. Oh, my gosh. Like, you could grab – they have so many different actions where they take – instead of having, like, a two-guard front, they almost have, like, one guy at the free throw line and the point guard's trying to dribble right or left off him, look at the pitch it behind. They just have actions on top of actions. Um, so that is somebody that if you're more – if you're curious um, or you're looking for other ways, you're like, ah, I'm kind of like this or that, like check out Doug Novak stuff. He has some online stuff uh, for free if you go to his website. Um, but yeah, he he has actions upon actions. The last one I wanted to share is um, a point action, which is like Princeton. If anyone's familiar with Princeton or if you're familiar with Princeton. So painting the picture again, let's say you could, again, you could run toss Princeton or toss point or you can run slice point. So let's go toss point. So I have the ball, I toss it over to you in the left slot. I cut through, but kind of like more deeper, not directly to that corner. And I want to brush the four man, the big man, it's defender, because I want the big to catch it around the elbow area. And that's just a dangerous spot to catch the ball because it's tough to play help side from the elbow. So let's say the four catches it now around the elbow area. So you just you have the ball, you pass it to the four. Now you have the option of screening away or kind of going to the same side as the ball and screen. And, you know, the Warriors would run this or Steph Curry would like hit Draymond Green around the elbow area. And then he'd go screen for clay and they would do a bunch of like, you know, almost like split actions. But um, just to get it, paint that picture back is the four has the ball at the elbow. You are in the left slot. You could either screen down for the three coming on. The um, four has the ball at the left elbow. Sorry, the right elbow. The right elbow. Yep. Right gotcha. into the right elbow. You are screening for the guy coming off of the left corner, and they can curl, and that's where you have like a curl pop action. Or you could have just gone the complete the other way, and so after you pass it to the four, you go all the way and screen for the two in the corner, and you have that curl and then pop action. That's when you can incorporate a dribble handoff actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that four at the elbow has the ball. You just set a screen for a guy. He curls hard. And now the four dribble hands off to you. All right. And you can play out of that either a shot or you can attack a gap. Mm -hmm. So that's the point. And I'm, not, I'm sorry if it's not crystal clear. Um, that one's kind of tough to um, describe um, with so many moving parts. And that would be toss point. Slice point would be kind of like we talked about instead of that slot slot pass you would just cut through and now the four comes up, we hit him at the elbow. Now it's my turn to go screen away. And then, you know, my teammate would curl off me and I would replace. Mm -hmm. So, and it, what's nice about it is you get some screening action in too, because one thing with the dribble drive is there's not a ton of screens when it's like flowing, it's attacking the paint, kicking out, which it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be creating space. Um, but if you want to, you know, create an advantage by using screens or just giving defense a different look there, you can run your point action to incorporate some off-ball screens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like it. I uh, uploaded some three-player actions into Coach's Edge. You know, there's so many great ones. Uh, we've talked about a bunch today. Um, one, of, one of those that I like is, you know, if, if we're both at the slots and we bring that four up to the foul line, and like in this one, it may might be a little more centered around the nail because they could turn and, and really look either way. Um, but they could be on one of the elbows as well, depending on wherever you want them. So if I enter the basketball to the four at the nail and I'm on the right slot, the person in the right corner is coming up to give me a flare. 
and then I'm coming off of that flare. And then as soon as they set that flare screen for me, the five is, is dribbling at uh, the two out of the corner who set the flare screen and they're giving them a dribble handoff. And while they're turning the corner to drive, you got the other side, those two are going to exchange or screen away something where the, there's a chance where we're kind of sinking those defenders a little bit lower, getting them away from the wing and trying to turn the corner down there. That's one that, that's one that I really like. Um, similar to a zoom. Another one is instead of a down screen into a dribble handoff, just going back screen into a dribble handoff. So the player that's low is still getting the ball, but they're the ones coming up to set the screen, right? So you could do this, uh, tight you could do this wide um so let's say it's tight maybe this is an out of bounds play we want to run for example coach you're at the right block i'm at the right elbow ball's at the top of the key you could come up from the block and set a back screen for me at the elbow and i'm going back and that five could toss it up to me right because i can still jump all right so i might be able to just catch and put it in or dunk it but really if we get a, a switch some confusion as soon as you set that that back screen for me, now I'm giving you the handoff and we're into our, our two-man game as well. That's one that, you know, I I, I like pretty much uh, right there as well. And then we were talking with earlier this spring with uh, Coach Jacobs, and he was talking about how as they made their run to the state championship game, how, you know, they really got into actions that were two their two best players, two best scorers on a side, and then they really gave them the freedom to play the game. And then those other players on, on the weak side were just kind of making decisions and they exchange them and keep them active, things of that nature. And they usually put their best shooter kind of up near the top. So in a situation like that, I might have the basketball say at the, at the right um, slot. And again, we're, we're bringing our, our big up and they're at the right elbow and you're on the right wing you're going to come across and get a screen going across the, the foul line, cutting from wing to wing, like that Iverson cut action. And after that uh, five sets the screen for you going wing to wing, they're popping out to the right wing, the spot you just left. I throw and go, meaning I'm, I'm throwing the basketball to the big, and then I'm following it into a dribble handoff, and it's the big and myself playing two on two on this side. We've just used an initial action to possibly get a switch, uh, a small onto a big, maybe they just get right to the rim and post up. Got some good actions that we can work there, but a little bit of a first action to possibly get a switch and get the defense thinking for the, the action where we're actually going to get to work, which is getting our two best players onto a side. So um, that's one, that's one that I like as well. And, you know, I just thinking back to, you know, when I was playing basketball in Europe, there were ice and ball screens was big back then, right? There was, there was a stretch where it's like every man-to-man -man college team, ice and ball screens and NBA as well. So if, if you're in an ice and, and you got a ball screen coming to the middle and you're kind of on the wing, it was very difficult to, to beat a, a good defender and actually use that screen. And so to be able to throw the ball to that screener, is going to, if, if it's a Draymond Green type player, that player can do so much damage because they have the basketball and they can give it back to a shooter and there's nobody guarding them at the three-point line because they can't shoot, right? And so that's a really difficult spot um, to, to, to utilize somebody who can't really shoot. Now, if my defender's been icing me and I throw it to the big, now they're going to get into usually more of a natural off-ball, one-pass-away defensive position. And now I can run off that handoff and there's no big helping. And then I can, I can get that shot up with a uh, ice. It's really very similar, but maybe that person setting the screen can knock down that shot. You know, if I can drive that gap and try to occupy my defender and a little bit of my screeners defender, and then just pitch it out, we might not need a screen at all. They're just going to catch and shoot it. I can always follow it into a, a dribble handoff. Those are some easy actions for, for us to use. So um, just trying to think about how teams can utilize uh, their big, if they're a four or five and their best player, or it's a four or five and they're not a great shooter. But if they're a pretty good decision maker and a good screener, 
they can be a really, really effective player to catch the basketball on the perimeter and, and make good passes and set good screen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the 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 options are really unlimited, but like I think what you're listening to you and talking, a lot of it is back to one of your earlier points is like combining an action. Like if you can do that, it just makes it that more difficult. And on the flip side, if you're a defensive mindset, like if you can guard multiple actions, then your team's going to be solid on the defensive end. Yes. Um, so it's kind of like a chess match of mm -hmm. you know, making those reads and being able to, you know, combine those actions. But I, I like the idea of, you know, getting your best players um, working together in an opportunity to score. And while everyone else is still occupying the defense and also being a threat, you know, that can, that could help out a lot of coaches, especially down, uh, down the stretch, like, you know, Frank and Muth and they're making their run, you know, they're playing really tough teams, but they had some good players. Like how can we, you know, get the ball in those players to hands the most and, you know, put them in uh, successful situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Coach, as we round this podcast out, I was doing some thinking of like who, you know, players that are really tough or teams that are really tough to play against. Um, you know, what, what, what's that for you? What, like, what's a team that you always feel like, you know, as we, you know, as we're recording this, the NBA finals are, are, are going on. Miami Heat have made this, this run as we're recording it. We don't know if they've won the championship or not. We will when this comes out. Um, but they're just, they're a team that you really wouldn't want to play against, right? Like what are some characteristics of teams or maybe you have some examples of players that you really didn't want to play against that player? Uh, you know, besides the basics of like athleticism and length, um, I think like multidimensional, like where they can, you know, they can do a lot of things because we preach a lot like, hey, can you take away their strength? Like if you can take away their, their number one, that's good. But and then if the player has a counter, then you got to try to take that away, too. Um, and the teams that are really good at like, all right, this is our strength and we're going to go to it. But if you do that, we got the counter and now we're going to test if we can uh, ultimately level that out. Um, you know, and then if you, if you can't, then, you know, it, from there, that's where, you know, which team is going to be more successful, the team that uh, took away, you know, your, your top two strengths, or can you only take away one? Um, and the more, the more you have that, I think the, the more dynamic your team can be. I don't know. What do you think the tough, like you, you know, besides, and also like, you know, reading the teams that are the most connected and like where you can't focus in on a one or two players, that is tough. Like when you cannot focus in and just lock in, it, it's easier when you're like, hey, if we shut down this player and this player and take away their strengths, everyone, you know, we got 10 eyes on them. All right, we got, but when you're like, we can't because this, this girl or this guy uh, knows their role. They're going to make us pay if we, you know, focus in on one or two players. Mm -hmm. uh, all great answers. No doubt about that. I, I think that one, yeah, I think from a toughness physicality standpoint, like if you can have the team that throws the first punch consistently, you have an advantage and you're probably going to win the game. Right. And, and if you're a, a team that consistently is the more physical team uh, throughout the course of a game, you're wearing the officials down. They're not going to call it all the time. And it's going to be one of those things like, Jimmy Butler's really physical, right? Like he's going to bump you. And, you know, if he did it every once in a while, we'd call foul, but he does it every possession and we're not going to call it every possession. So like those characteristics are really good. Um, another thing that stands out to me is like, if your best offensive player is also your best defensive player, you're probably going to have a really good team, right? It, 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 Jimmy Butler is your best offensive player and defensive player. You can go to the finals two in the past four years, whatever it's been. If James Harden is your best offensive player, but he's a matador on defense, it, you're, you're probably not going to get some of the results that that you're hoping for. Uh, so, so that's one. I also think like try to find value in uh, the unflashy stuff, right? Like do look at your roster and be like, how can I like, is there a player when you're watching practice that nobody likes to play against? Right. And I, I'm going to share a funny one with you, coach, as we finish this out. But is there a player that maybe they're not that good, right? And I coached one of these guys, remember, when I was at USA. Like, nobody wanted to play against. They always wanted him on his team because 
if if you're big, okay, it hurts when you hit people, right? So being big has its advantages for basketball. So one, are they big? Okay. Uh, two, are they aggressive? Like, do they like the contact, right? Because if you're big and aggressive, good things are, are going to happen, even if you're not very skilled. Couple intangibles here, coach. If you're hairy, nobody <laughs> wants to touch you. Nobody wants to touch you. Okay. And if you smell bad, nobody wants to be around you. Okay. So Scott Richardson graduated with me at Hope College. In practice, he went his senior year, never washed his practice jersey. All right. It was as hard as rock. You could literally stand up. He had sweat stains of, you know, of just, it was like, we get our jerseys washed every day after practice. You throw it in the laundry, you come to practice the next day, boom, smells good. It's clean. He never washed it. Nobody wanted to play against Scott. It was disgusting, right? He just had white salt stains and just, it was disgusting. You don't want to play against that person. We had a guy on my team from uh, Serbia. His name was Deki Stepanjanovic or something like that. I can't pronounce his last name. Dude looked like a grizzly bear, right? He was like six, seven, really big and really, really hairy. You never wanted to have to guard him. And so I was a guard. And if we were on different teams and he set a screen on me, it sucked. It was like that Ben Stiller movie with the long came Polly. Remember that big hairy guy? He was like that guy, right? So if you get hit by a screen by that guy, you don't want to, like, you're just like, this is gross, right? Big, hairy, stinky, and it probably hurt a little bit on that screen. So the, the point of all those things is if you have a person like that and maybe they're not that really good at basketball, you can get value out of them because other people don't want to play against them, right? So if they're big, if they're physical, if there's a, a character trait about them that makes people just ah, eh, maybe I'm just not going to you know get too physical with that person. Because if you touch somebody who's really hairy, it's gross when they're sweaty. It's gross, right? Especially if they smell a little bit. So you try to you know find any advantage that, that you can, right? Now, Decky is an example. He was our starting power forward, right? When sometimes he played the five. So he was perfect to play with, right? Because if he laid, excuse me, if he laid the wood on somebody for a ball screen, right? I mean, they they were looking over their shoulder the next time because who wants to get hit by a big, hairy, smelly, stinky guy, right? Nobody. So it, it loosens up and makes you, you know, have some more uh, advantages. Uh, a kid named Seth Gangler comes to mind, who I coached high school back. Now he wasn't that hairy, but he had all the other characteristics. Nobody wanted to play against him, right? I had a guy on my team, six, seven in high school. His name was Adam Gainforth. Dude hurt. I swear he was made of like vibranium or something like that, right? He wasn't like jacked and, and muscular, but if you touched him, like it hurt. We were playing Reese, all right? Most people have no idea, but they were our arch rival in high school. He ran out first. I was always in the back of the line. He ran out first. He's got his basketball layup lines, right? So home game, the other team's doing their layup lines. Music comes on, we're running out. So they run the baseline, run up the sideline, and then you run over half court and you switch. This would be my last story, coach, but I, I, <laughs> stories for days. Dude from Reese is like, well, you know, rivalry game. I'm going to show I'm tough, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to stand on the half court line where everybody's supposed to run. They're going to have to stop. They're going to have to go around me, whatever, right? Well, like our biggest, meanest, toughest guy was was running through. So – he, he just comes up. He sees, the, he sees the high school guy standing there. He didn't slow down. He didn't push him. He just kept running. And he just ran the guy over. And I wish I could have saw it in person because I was in the back of the line. Thank goodness I was watching game film. And it was like the funniest thing in the world, seeing somebody standing at half court looking like, hey, I'm sweet, and just get boom, mowed right over. And it just like runs right over him, and we get right into our layup line. Like you just – if you have – this all goes back, to, honestly, to the Miami Heat. This is – all these stories are just Miami Heat. Like, you just don't want to play against teams like this. Find ways to overachieve. Those teams that overachieve are, are aggressive. They're tough. They're physical. Uh, they got guys with a, a chip on their shoulder, that late draft picks, free agent signings, players that have been out of rotation in certain places. They come back, and, and they're, they're trying to prove themselves. Again, 
find different players that you can put in a, in a position to succeed. And even if they're not the most kind of sexy or skilled type player, I guarantee you, you know, with, with the right avenue of putting your players in a position to be successful, you know, you can do that as a coach. You might just take a little more creativity. So that's the end of my rant. Yeah, uh, Coach, so I'm going to tell my guys to not shower, you know, and just we got to f- recruit some hairy, hairy people. Uh, yeah. No, I was I was dying because it's true. It's true. But like you said, the bottom line is like. You got to be the player that you don't want to play against, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that is just going to I think physicality is even small things like when you go to cut and a guy doesn't let you cut where you yeah. want to cut. Like it's frustrating. You want right. to go set this ball screen and he just nudges you off your line. And some guys are just naturally like strong mm-hmm. um, and big, like, and just that little forearm, boom, bump off line. You know, if you're a smaller guy or just playing small, it really bugs you. Cause you're like, I-, I need to get to this spot. This is where I'm supposed to be. But I all constantly have somebody's bumping me and, you know, it doesn't have to be malicious or anything. I think it- it's just a mindset of like, we're going to be physical um, and we're going to make you feel us every possession. You're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's a great point. And like you said, you know, we got chip on your shoulder, that attitude that can make up for a lot, a lot of maybe not talent for size, just having that attitude and that mentality and taking that into your team or, uh, every day is, is huge. And this was fun. Harry. It does help. It does help. Um, you know, coach, Dribble drive, offense actions. We talked about passing for a while. Uh, talked about just people you don't want to want to play against, teams you don't want to play against. So this was a lot of fun. Always have a good time chatting with you. Thanks to our listeners. Hope you enjoyed this as well. And uh, boy, if for more conversations like this and to, to be able to see the actual stuff that Coach Tro was was breaking down, coachesedge.coach, jump into our membership. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've had, uh, I was talking to a coach this fall and I almost had to remind him because um, I'm touching base with some of our Coaches Edge members and he was saying, you know, we're working on this. And so I've been scouring YouTube. I've been looking all over, you know, for our stuff. He's a Coaches Edge member. And I was like, coach, we got that in the website. Like it's, it's in the website. You don't have to go search on the internet to find out like we actually have a breakdown of those specific things. He's like, Oh yeah, thanks. Um, and then we were obviously chatting and I was helping him out uh, with some things as well. So many good things in there um, for, for coaches to check out dribble drive offense packages is just one of them. So coach Joe, thanks for taking the time to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, we don't take that for granted. Have a great day and get after it.